Bible reading this morning. And we've been looking at, and we're looking at um, Ruth for the for these couple of weeks as we head into um, to Christmas. And it's actually even not a couple of weeks anymore, is it? How many know? How many people know how many sleeps it is to Christmas? I can't hear you. Ten, eight, nine. <laughs> we are actually a mess. We don't even know how many sleeps it is to Christmas. All right, let's um, let's let's have a look at Ruth and Heavenly Father. We want to we want to pray for the capacity just to to hear you for the next little while. We recognise that your word is special. We want to give it its place. Um, we want to give your word its place in our hearts this morning as we read it and as we hear from it, as we look for you in the words this morning, in Jesus' name. Chapter 3, verse 1, Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, this is Ruth's mother-in-law, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, this Ruth, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, sounds like Christmas already, doesn't it? He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You've made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you've not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it's true that I'm a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So far our reading. Ruth um, is, is a fantastic story. Um, you know, I... Um, it's one of the most dynamic stories that we have. And it's a, a story of redemption. And for us, there's hints of, of the salvation to come. There's hints of a saviour, if you read it well. And it's a, you know, when, I, when we're looking, when we've been looking at Ruth, it's, it's a hugely challenging and even a bit frustrating to speak on because there's treasure everywhere. There's little bits, and even in our story this morning when he says, you know, you know um, you've made the last kindness greater than the first. Well, what was the first kindness? You know, the first kindness was he's referring back to when, when he, he, he spoke about what she did for Naomi. And the story that he heard what she did for Naomi. And so there's this story that builds in there and there's so much that, you could, that you'd speak on. So bear with me and um, 
we're just going to see Jesus in it this morning. We're going to see redeemers all over the place, and that's going to be amazing. Firstly, it's a story of tragedy, isn't it? It's kind of a huge tragedy. We've got this rich family that, you know, Naomi and Elimelech, I think his name is. I'm going to get the names wrong if I try. But they flee to, to Moab, which is actually Judah's enemy. Moab is, you know, they're not friends. They're not the neighboring. There's no Schengen agreement where the visas, you know, they're not friends at all. They, they, it's their enemies. But they flee there because there's food there and there's no food in Judah. There's a famine and perhaps there's going to be a better future. So they leave with three healthy men, two sons, uh, Elimelech and, and Naomi. But these two sons, they marry the Moab women, don't they? They marry two young Moab women, which they weren't supposed to do. You're not supposed to marry the enemy. Did anyone ever tell you that? You know, you don't marry in with the enemy. But they did it and, and you know, virile young men and these beautiful women. And so it's kind of almost a little bit of a sellout, but they do that. But then tragedy strikes, the dad dies, and then the two sons die, don't they? And now, what's Naomi going to do? Naomi's left. No men equals no income, equals no status, equals no land or place to live, etc. In the end, it means she's destitute. She has nothing. Um, And that's a disaster, isn't it? Naomi has no choice because she hears, in the meanwhile, she hears that, hey, there's food back in the homeland. There's food in Judah. So she's going to slink back into Judah and see what happens there because now she's in an enemy land with no men to defend her, with nothing to give her any honor or give her anything. So perhaps there's hope if she goes back. But she goes back a bit defeated, doesn't she? Not a bit defeated, a lot defeated. In fact, she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, wasn't it? Which meant bitter. Because you know, I'm bitter, because I mean I don't have any men, I have nothing, because I, I have nothing, nothing and I am nobody. But even in Judah, there's not a huge future for her. She's too old. Who's going to redeem her? You know, people didn't get married for love or for warm, fuzzy feelings in those days or for companionship. The only reason to marry was for offspring. Naomi couldn't provide offspring. So who was going to marry her? Who was going to take her into the family and redeem her and then try to get her family land back? It wasn't going to happen. That's how the system worked. She can't have kids. So it looks a bit disastrous, doesn't it? The two daughters-in-law, they're the Moab girls, and it's not a real good idea for them to go to Judah. Um, So she tries to convince them, why don't you just find some really good Moab men, get married, get some land, have some kids, you know, make it all happen. And Orpah finally does. One of the girls decides, okay, I'll do that. But Ruth doesn't. You know, we know that story. No, you know, I'm, I'm never going to leave you. In fact, often there's this, what, what are the actual, I don't even remember the actual words, but often in weddings they use that, you know, where you go, I will go, where you, you know, they use that as a wedding text. That was Ruth, wasn't it? When she said that to Naomi. And, um, but who in Judah will take a Moab girl? It's risky to say the least for Ruth to go with Naomi. That's a huge, that's big. But then we see that it's a wonderful story of restoration, isn't it? It's a wonderful story of redemption and grace and so much more as you read through it. And I actually encourage you, if you get a chance in the next couple of days, and I know we're all busy, but it's like a maybe 15-minute read, the four chapters of Ruth. It's really great read if you read it like a story. 
You know, if you pick up one of these children with a teenage girl books, before you do that, read Ruth. It's kind of like a teenage story too, if you want it to be, you know. It's a wonderful story of restoration and redemption. Naomi and Ruth are back. Now what? What are they going to do? They're back, they're back in. The gossip mill's happening. They've got to eat. You've got to eat, don't you? When you you've, you've got to have somewhere to stay. You've got to. So Naomi's old. Remember, no one's going to redeem her. She can't have kids. No one will help her. And how is she going to get her own land back, the, the family land? How is she going to have somewhere to live, to, to settle or to have? Because you can't own land in that culture if you don't have a man. No man, no land. You know, we would, we, There'd be all sorts of uproar if we did that in today's society. But that's how it was then. Without a man, she was going to have no land. And without a man in Jewish culture, a woman is zero. No status, nothing. So what are they going to do? They've got to eat. They're, they're back in the country. So she sends Ruth out. Ruth ventures out to glean. Now, I don't know if you know about gleaning, but gleaning worked like this. There was a Jewish law where um, when you harvested your fields, you, um, if you dropped something during harvesting, you weren't allowed to pick it up. That was for the poor to come pick it up. You weren't allowed to harvest all the way to the edge of your field. You had to leave the edge unharvested. Isn't that a wonderful picture of making sure that what you have, you leave some for those in need? In the Jewish law, you harvested your land only up to so far. You weren't allowed to harvest the edge. And if you or your workers dropped something or it fell off the machine, can you imagine? Well, they didn't have machines. But if it did, you know, then that had to get left there. Um, and that was for the poor and the needy who could come and glean what was left. Now, this was risky for Ruth because she was a non-Jew and she couldn't really hang out with the other women and just walk along with them like nothing was wrong and glean away. So it was risky for her because she would have been considered unclean and she would have been a target for men. You'll notice that in Ruth, if you've read Ruth, you'll notice that Boaz says, I've, 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 I've instructed my men to leave you alone. That's code for you can't rape this one. Really, seriously, if you read some of the commentaries. And so it was risky for her to be able to do that. She can't hang out with the other woman. She's unclean. She's a target for women. And they knew, that the whole community knew and have heard of Naomi and Ruth. But Boaz spies her. He asks about her. He's told the story. Look, she came back because Naomi's lost without her, etc., etc. And God moves him. So he tells his men to back off because he knows what they're capable of. He tells the guys to drop good stuff on purpose. Anyone ever notice that in the story? Like, not just the stuff that you accidentally drop. Drop some good stuff on purpose. Leave some good stuff behind. And then he tells her, you hang out with my ladies. That's huge. You read that quickly in the story, but that's a really big thing for Ruth. Ruth goes home loaded. And Naomi's, what? What's going on? So she tells Naomi, this guy Boaz, and she tells a story, and all of a sudden, Naomi, a light goes on, doesn't it? A light goes on Naomi's head, and she says, he is a, in the Hebrew word, is goel, a redeemer. He is a relative, could be distant, who can redeem us. And she thinks, this is gold. This is amazing. Then we get to our reading, and she sends her um, with this strange way of, laying at his feet when he's a little bit drunk, and etc., etc. She sees an opportunity for Ruth to have a place in Judah, to belong. She sees an opportunity to see the family land be redeemed. Ruth takes the chance. 
she goes to Boaz as he sleeps and she asks for his mercy. She says, spread your wings. How weird, you know? How many of you ladies have gone up to a guy to see if you can hook up? Say, spread your wings. You know, you say, weird. But there's this whole language in there, the beauty, spread your wings is, be my protector, cover me, because I need covering. I am and my mother-in-law and I, we are totally vulnerable here. We heard from Luke about the vulnerable young women in Africa. This was a totally vulnerable woman. Spread your wings. That was a huge ask. Spread your wings over me. Asks for his mercy and acceptance. And if you have a look at the next slide, I think it's in, if we, if we have a look at the next and and um, he said, who are you? He wakes up, oops, who's there? Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you've not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. This whole sense of having the courage to, to speak to Boaz. And redemption is set in motion. And, and there's more of that this week and, and next week as well. But first, in the story of Ruth, there are three redeemers. I, I see three. There's probably more, but I see three redeemers in the story of Ruth. Three characters that point to Jesus and they reveal to us something of the real redeemer of humanity that is to come. Because they're just pointers. You know, God in his wisdom has given us the word, has given us the story of Ruth because there's such, it's such a great pointer to the real Redeemer, Christ Jesus, who's coming and who's come and as we celebrate that this week. And that's why it's so great to talk about this now. But the first Redeemer is Ruth herself, isn't she? Ruth chooses to lay down the possibility of a future with a Moab man. I made that up, Moab man, because it just sounds good. She lays down the possibility of the future of a man of land then and potentially kids. She lays down this, this chance of hope and a status. If she stays in her own country and she gets this a handsome guy from Moab, she'll have status. She chooses to lay down all of that and be loyal to Naomi. She loves Naomi. You see that in chapter 1 where she just loves Naomi and knows that Naomi is in big trouble if she would go back to Judah alone. You see, Naomi has no hope. If she were to go back alone, there is nothing for her. She can't lay down at Boaz's feet because she can't give anyone any kids. There isn't a man in Judah will take her. And remember, no man, no land. No land, no food, no nothing. So Ruth kind of knows that Naomi's in real trouble if she goes back to Judah alone. So Ruth gives up her potential comfort and perhaps even risks her life to go to an enemy nation with Naomi. She has to take on a whole new religion, which was really big in that culture. A whole new religion with all its history and practices. That was huge. You didn't just go and say, well, look, you know, I'm still going to be a Presbyterian, even though this is a Baptist nation. You didn't do that in those days. If you went and been part of the nation, you took on the religion. And so she would have to totally take on a new religion, a new way of living. Boaz recognized this. He saw it. I think he heard the story and he saw it. Now next slide, and in chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, when he first sees, you know, who are you? What are you doing here? And then she fell on her face, bowing down to the ground. She said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? This is when he's let her glean a little bit more, be with his women and that. 
so that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. But Boaz said, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. So Boaz is enlightened. He sees that's that first thing that she did. You left your native land. You know, that reminds me when I was doing this, I was reminded of a hymn, you know, an old hymn. And, and you know, um, some of you will know these, these words where, and it's a hymn about Jesus. It's a hymn about baby Jesus. And he says, he left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love. Pretty much what Boaz is saying that Ruth did. And this is how Jesus, that's what we say about Jesus. That's what he emptied himself of all but love. He left his father's throne. He left security and came to be with us. And Ruth did that for Naomi. Naomi now has a future. She has hope. She has a land. And, and indeed, she herself is redeemed. She's, she's back in the family. She's back in the inheritance line. And I think I've got another slide up there. What's our, um, if you read through the chapter, and I'm a bit all over the place, but read through the chapter four because it's pretty exciting because you can see the women all getting together, have a bit of a yak in the women's corner, you know. And this is what's happening here. And all the women are saying, the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be the restorer of, to you, the restorer of life. Now they're talking about the baby. But here's what they say. And a nourish of your knowledge. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth. Now, when in that, you know, I had a look at why would you say more to you than seven sons? Why would you use it? Anyone got a clue why would they use that language? Because seven was the number of perfection. And sons were what everyone wanted. If you had seven sons, you were on top of the pile. That was amazing. You were incredibly blessed if you had seven sons. And so they, even her friends, her women friends, recognized that Ruth is worth more to you than seven sons. That was big because if you had a girl, they weren't worth anything. All of a sudden, this girl, who is a Moab girl, Moabites, is worth more than seven sons. What an amazing transformation. What an amazing story of what God can do, isn't it? Ruth is recognized by the other women in Judah as Naomi's redeemer, kind of savior, better than seven sons. And they also see the child being born. In their view, it's just a new line of the family. But we know she gives birth to the redemption line. We know that this is, this is in the line of Christ. Clue to the, our third redeemer, isn't it? So this is a great, when we look at Ruth as a redeemer, this is a great foretaste for us of Jesus as our redeemer. He loves us. He chose the harder way. He chose to walk with us home, the way that Ruth walked with Naomi home. Jesus came to walk us home, as it were. This is the kind of redemption we all need, don't we? Like Naomi, without someone that despite risk, hardship and difficulty that's willing to stick with us and make sure we have a future, an eternal future, then we're in trouble too. Just like Naomi was in big trouble, without Jesus, we're in trouble too. We don't have status. Ruth reveals to us the Redeemer that we celebrate in nine days' time. One who was born into the world, into a risky world, 
into an enemy world, into a world where he didn't have or own anything, into a world that wouldn't accept him easily at all. And yet he came so that we could have life, life eternal. Ruth is a great picture, analogy of that, isn't she? We're redeemed and we're back in the family and we're back sharing that great inheritance the same way that Ruth was able to help Naomi get there. But then there was another one, our second redeemer, isn't it? Our second redeemer is Boaz. And he's also a pointer to a greater redeemer. He has mercy on and he shows generosity to a foreign woman. Remember, she didn't belong. But initially, having heard the story, gossip worked then too. He was touched by all that she did for Naomi, a family member. He knows that Naomi is distant family and he was touched by what she did. She showed generosity to a foreigner. And I think on our next slide, we have that. um, Boaz said to the elders and all the people, when he does go to Redeemer, you are witnesses to this day that I've bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Hilion and Marlon. Also Ruth, the Moabite, the widow. It's funny how the woman comes after all the land and everything, isn't it? And the cars and the plows and the tractors and the... Never mind. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Marlon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses to this day. He showed great generosity in redeeming her so that that line would not be cut off. He chooses to answer her positively in our story and redeem her her land, and marry her. Now, he doesn't have to. Anyone notice that? There's a few reasons he doesn't have to. A, she's not a Jew. So he doesn't have to. He's not obliged by Jewish law. Even if he was the first redeemer, he's not obliged to redeem her. He doesn't have to. She's from an enemy nationality. He certainly doesn't have to. And he's not the first in line. Did anyone notice that? He's not the first in line to redeem her. So he does the, the right thing and he goes and talks to the other guy. The other guy was okay with the land, but when he found out he'd have to have a Moab woman, he's not so okay with it anymore. Have a look. I've got another slide up there for it. What does he say? Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. So to have that woman is going to do damage to my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself for I can't redeem it. And they swap sandals. Whatever that meant, swapping sandals was, it's a deal. You know, we might sign things, so they swapped sandals. So the other guy was okay with the land, but when he found out he had to have a, he said, no, it's okay, you can have her. So Boaz does. For Boaz, it's costly. His reputation, he's going to take a non-Jew and redeem her. He's going to take someone from the enemy, from Moab, and redeem her. It's costly for his reputation. It was risky. It was going to bring debt because now he's going to have to redeem the land. He's going to have to take on the debt of the land, of Naomi's land. And now everything that he owns is also Ruth's. He's going to have to share everything. Everything that he is, not just what he is, his status, but his, his, his land, his, his, his reputation, his status, his standing, he shares it with her. It's now Ruth too. Because Boaz a man who does belong, who is in, accepts her, 
she now takes on his status and she's home. Her identity is totally new. She now belongs and she now is part of the nation with all its rights and with everything. That is ultimate redemption, isn't it? She's been redeemed from fragile fear to favour and a future. Boaz is our second redeemer, isn't he? He takes someone who had no right to be anyone, to bear children, to to share land, to be taken care of, to, to have a status, and he takes her on. Have you ever had someone show you mercy when you didn't deserve it? Have you ever? Have you ever been the recipient of generosity that you did nothing for? That you didn't really deserve? I had to think about that. Oh, I have actually, you know, and I... And I started thinking of all these stories. I started thinking of our years in mission where people would surprisingly give us um, either money or, or, or the opportunity of a holiday. We had, Sue and I spent 10 days in Gran Canaria. Anyone know the Canary Islands off the, off the coast of West Africa? Belongs to Spain. It's actually just a full-on tourist destination where all the Europeans go. We, when we were married for 15 years, someone came up and said, here's 10 days, we'll fly you to, you know, Totally undeserved, totally, you know, we've had situations like, even when I've been back here, we, Sue and I wanted to do a, a trip to the centre and a friend of mine who had a four-wheel drive that was the envy of everybody else, that had all of the bells and whistles and everything, he said, why don't you just take this for three weeks and just go? I put 8,000 kilometres on his car. Yeah, I, I think of those little things, that's the kind of, you know, have you ever been the recipient of something you totally didn't deserve? They're minor compared to what Ruth experienced from Boaz, compared to what we experience as our Redeemer Christ. As we come up to Christmas, it's a reminder of our great Redeemer. Boaz too is a sign to us of our Redeemer. Another pointer to Jesus in this story. Jesus is the great example of mercy, the great example, the greatest example of generosity. He had status with his father. He belonged. He paid a huge price so that we could belong, so that we would be redeemed, that we have a land that we look forward to, that we have a future, an eternal hope. He didn't have to. (laughs) We didn't deserve it either. Our sin means we don't belong because our sinful nature is foreign to the kingdom of light. So we're foreigners and we're enemies of it by nature. Yet Jesus redeemed us. And Romans 5 reminds us of that. And I just wanted to put up a few words on the next slide. Have a look at that. This is what Romans 5 says. And we often use this when we think about Lord's Supper, when we think, through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we weren't deserving of it, while we didn't belong, while we were enemies, while there was no reason, just like for Boaz, he could have let it go. He didn't have to. But he did because God used him. For Jesus, it was costly. It would cost Jesus his life. It would cost him his time with his father, his comfort. But like Ruth, now shared in all that Boaz owned, all that he was and had, 
we too share in all that Jesus has with the Father. We have equal standing with Jesus and the Father. We share everything that he had with the Father. It's all ours too. Because we also now have a new identity, just like Ruth. We have a new identity. We're members of the family of God, citizens of the kingdom of God, just like Ruth was now a citizen of Judah. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. What a great reminder and what a great way to look forward to Christmas and to celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus. We all need redeeming. We all need a redeemer. Maybe it's a crisis you're in. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a future. For Ruth and Naomi, it was a whole different set of circumstances. Maybe your circumstances aren't the same. But we all need a redeemer. We all need Christ to step in and to change the direction of our future. Maybe we don't feel like we belong to the kingdom yet. Or whatever it is, this time of year we're reminded that the Redeemer was born for a broken world, definitely, but also for you and for me in a very personal way. May you see the Redeemer this season. May you know the Redeemer this Christmas, however you need to know Him. And the third Redeemer, let's talk about that next week. I'm going to pray, and then instead of Priscilla coming and playing a a closing song, we're going to be playing a song and as a reflection. Mary, did you know? But I'm going to pray first and pray with me. God, we just want to thank you for your wisdom in the Word, for sharing with us the story of Ruth, and for planting amazing seeds of hope in that story that we can see, for making it obvious that you were busy right from the start with us in your eyesight, that you were busy right through the Word, showing us that you are a Redeemer, that that's what you do, and that you would do it for us, and you've done it for us. Lord, we want to thank you for showing us your character through Ruth, for showing us your nature through Boaz, for showing us who you really are through earthly people. We know that they're not perfect examples, but we thank you for the hints that they give us. We thank you for your encouragement at this time of year. And we wait with expectation for how, again this year, you're going to show us more of yourself as a Redeemer. Lord, help us to be able to see it Wherever we're at, whatever we're experiencing, whatever we're feeling, help us to be able to see it. Surround us with people that point us to it, people that lead us to it, people that prompt us, and help us to be people that do that for others, even tonight. Lord Jesus, be our encourager this season in Jesus' name. Amen.